5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man as he gets ready for his Thanksgiving kind of holiday break there. I'm sure he's got a couple travel plans going on. In the meantime, plenty of going on in and around Pirate Nation. Of course, we got the first group of five team ranked in the top four in the college football playoff rankings ever coming to town this Friday in Greenville as ECU First time they're bowl eligible since 2014 is taking on Cincinnati. That game begins at 3.30. You can hear pregame coverage of that game coming your way at 12 noon here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates 94.3 The Game, with our Pirate Game Day countdown with Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. That game can also be watched on ABC that day, so prime time there for uh, the Pirates. Plenty of eyes in that game. Plenty of people going to that game. Word from ECU Marketing, uh, upwards of the high 30,000s to the low 40,000s in terms of tickets sold for that game. So make sure you get your tickets. I believe the deal is four tickets for $60. That also gets you four tickets for the ECU basketball game this weekend at home against Coppin State and four tickets to the ECU women's game that I think already passed, the one that happened Tuesday. Nonetheless, still get tickets to go to the ECU basketball game. Still get, I believe, lower bowl tickets to go to that Cincinnati game. Why, why, why pass on that offer? You got to go, folks. Support this team. Also, we have a playoff team in Greenville not named ECU. Jay Trose. Jay Trose now in the fourth round of the NCHSAA playoffs. They'll be taking on Scotland at home in Percy Daniels Field. We'll also have coverage for you on that game at 7 p.m. on 94.3 the game. Excuse me, at 7.20 with Croft and Coach RV. As they get you ready for all the action, that will be brought to you by the law firm of Hardy, Massey, and Blodgett, Sam Pollard and Son Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing, Stadium Sports, Caraway Office Solutions, Bowman, Paget and Associate Dentistries, and First Bank. And as I previously mentioned, you also can go to that ECU basketball game against Coppin State at home. Support those Pirates. Not the only ECU football is not the only Pirates you need to be supporting. Support that basketball team. You know, all this talk about Jaden Gardner leaving and how much of an impact that was going to cause. Yeah, that caused quite an impact, but I think this Pirate team has a higher, higher ceiling without them. This Pirate team has showcased some really good basketball in recent weeks. Uh, kept it close against Oklahoma. Had a tough outing against Davidson, but it's a good chance to bounce back against a Coppin State team who I believe only has one win. Yep, only has one win. They just lost to Canisius, who the Pirates previously beat 76-75 to today. That just wrapped up. Anyways, I started thinking, how do I start this show? And I think it all begins with what's going on Friday. I mean, you can't ignore it. It's the talk of the town. Like I previously mentioned, fourth-ranked Cincinnati in the college football playoff rankings, uh, first group of five of a team to ever be ranked in the top four, coming to town, ECU, first-time bowl eligible since 2014. And I came up with three keys to victory in that game. Now, you're probably thinking if you're going that game, you know, I don't give the Pirates much of a chance against this Cincinnati team. This is a Cincinnati team destined to go to the college football playoffs, barring a 
maybe a Notre Dame somehow getting in or an Oklahoma State or whatever the case may be. If they want to get Michigan in, barring any setbacks, Cincinnati should be getting in the college football playoffs. Many Pirate fans might be down on this game, but they want to support their Pirates who are going to a bowl game. They feel like they got to return the favor. Well, look, just don't think that negative. I got three, three, three reasons why the Pirates will beat Cincinnati this Friday. Number one, one key to victory is that they got to find a way to get pressure on Desmond Ritter. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. That Cincinnati offensive line, they're built not only for the American, for top-level play in the American, but they're built for any conference in the country. They can be built. That's an SEC-level offensive line right there. But when you look at Desmond Ritter, there's a reason this year. Coming out of last year when he was AAC Offensive Player of the Year, the talk was this guy next year, he's going to be a first-round pick, maybe a lottery pick. He could be somebody's future at the quarterback position in the NFL. You're not hearing that this year, and here's why. Yes, he has great numbers this year, but he's looked pedestrian at times against not great teams in the American. His worst games this year have been when he's been getting pressured. You look back to that Tulsa game that they nearly survived in, or that Navy game. When Desmond Ritter got pressured, we start to see his inefficiencies, inefficiencies, excuse me. And that's mainly with his mechanics and mechanics and ability. I kind of like in Desmond Ritter a little bit to Cam Newton in this aspect that doesn't seem like you're going to fix him mechanics-wise, footworks-wise. Likes to make a lot of back shoulder, uh, off his back foot type throws. And uh, has, a, has a hard time with his ability to throw an accurate deep ball. The Pirates can neutralize things this way. He's prone to make mistakes. We have a defense that has shown that they can get pressure on any team in the country, especially the way Blake Harrell runs that defense. A lot of blitz packages. Here's some numbers for you. In those games where Cincinnati narrowly survived against kind of bottom-level teams in the American, you look at that USF game. Desmond Ritter was constantly getting pressured. Only got one sack on him, but he was getting hit all game. Only two touchdowns, one interception. Had high completion numbers. QBR a little low, only 69. Uh, Cincinnati won 45-28, to but that game was a lot closer when you watched it. Uh, a lot of those teams kind of piled up at the end by Cincinnati in garbage time. You look at the Tulsa game. Two touchdowns, one interception for Desmond Ritter. 65% completion percentage, around 270 passing yards. But he had two sacks. QBR wasn't great, wasn't terrible. 81. And I think we started to see a lot of his mistakes in that game. All right, how about this Navy game? People forget Navy almost won that game. They had a chance to win that game. Cincinnati narrowly survives in Annapolis 27-20. In that game, once again, that was a game where Desmond Ritter was constantly getting pressured. Navy's really good at that. Only got sacked once. Had two touchdowns and an interception. 60% completion percentage. QBR was a 49. Didn't look too good. Had less than 200 passing yards. So obviously it's the key to any ball game, but especially this one. You pressure, you pressure Desmond Ritter, that's when he starts to expose his flaws. That's when he's prone to make mistakes, and that could be the difference in the ball game if you get an interception against this one, against that ball team. Moving on, my number two key to winning against Cincinnati. It's obvious. I've said it the last few times I've filled in for the P-Man and gave my keys to a part victory. Holton Aylers needs to be smart with the football. And this is not a critique on Holton. He's been pretty smart in, with the football the past few weeks. He's demonstrated great leadership ability on the field. He seemed very poised. And I believe Holton's best games this year have been when he's displayed that poise and he's displayed that great on-field leadership and he's taken a step back and played more discipline. Almost game manager type football. Isn't trying to force a throw. Isn't trying to force a run. Being very decisive with his running. Not just running for the sake of it when that first read isn't there. He's sticking it out in the pocket and making great throws. 
You know, early in the season, I was down on Holt, and it didn't seem like he evolved a lot for a player that's coming into his fourth year with playing time at the starting quarterback position. But as the season has gone on, he's he's showcased that he's matured a lot on the field and as a passer. I would say his best games, and it might not be his best game stat-wise, but his best games, I personally believe, are against Temple, South Florida, of course, and of course Navy. I don't think he necessarily blows you away stat-wise in those games, but when you think back to those particular matchups, he was very smart with the football, took care of the football very well, got the football out to his playmakers, didn't force anything. Didn't try to make unnecessary Cam Newton-esque highlight plays, and he just made the smart reads, and he got it to his playmakers. And you can't do that against this Cincinnati team. You can't force throws. According to the stats, according to the numbers, Cincinnati is six in the FBS and scoring defense. So if you get a pick, they're likely to capitalize, maybe right then and there. They're second and fewest passing yards allowed in FBS football. They only allow, hundred on average, 155 passing yards a game. So don't force anything. Yes, there's going to be occasions where he's going to have to make some big-time throws and stretch the field. But you want to set up those big plays. You don't want to constantly, do, constantly be doing them. Your playmakers are going to set them up. And third and final, it's pretty simple. If you've watched any ECU football this year, when we win football games, it's because of these two guys, or at least one of these two guys is eating, is having an unbelievable ball game. And that leads to my third key. Let Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris eat. The offense needs to be predicated primarily on the run game. And here's why. Obviously, as I previously mentioned, it's going to set up the big throws. It's going to set up the big-time plays. But when you look at the stats, when you look at what Cincinnati leads in the country, they almost lead all categories on defense and offense. The one flaw stat sheet-wise when you watch the games and have the numbers to support this is their run defense. They are 67th in the country in run defense in a league in the American where I believe – There's not a lot of great running backs this year, in my personal opinion. They allow, on average, 147 rushing yards per game. I personally took the time to pick out kind of the best back Cincinnati has played this year from the American. Let's start with that Tulsa game. Shamari Brooks. If you're not familiar with Shamari Brooks, He's third in the league. He's third in the AAC when it comes to rushing yards. He's been a force for Tulsa this year. He's probably their best offensive weapon. In that game where Cincinnati narrowly won against Tulsa 27-20, the key to that game was Tajay Spears in the run game. He had 19 carries for 106 yards and a rushing touchdown. Excuse me, he had 27 carries, no, 18 carries for 160 yards and a touchdown. You look at a two-lane game, one young running back who's a redshirt freshman that I'm very high on, and I think he's going to be a great running back for years to come in the American is Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Wasn't a close ball game, but if Tulane stuck to their run game in that game, I think it would have been a lot closer and Tulane would have had a chance to win. Instead of trying to make it the Michael Pratt show, yes, Michael Pratt had a great freshman year last year as a true freshman. But not looking too good this year. Seems like they're really trying to make him the focal point of this offense. And instead, they need to be focusing on Tajay Spears. Because in that game against Cincinnati, Tajay Spears had 19 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown for in a 31-12 loss to Cincinnati. So it looks like to me, he was the only one that scored a touchdown in that game. Got to utilize, utilize the running backs more. Going back to that Tulsa game, look, let's look at Tulsa's backup. Another great young back, Anthony Watkins, had 15 carries for 105 yards. You see a theme here? Russian defense not looking too good for Cincinnati. How about Navy? 
Now, of course, Navy's always going to get their theirs when it comes to rushing. When it comes to rushing offense, they're going to have a lot of rushing yards. But if you remember, that game was close, like I previously mentioned. Cincinnati narrowly escaped 27-20. to They allowed roughly around 180 rushing yards. Quarterback Ty Lavatai gave them fits in the red zone. Didn't have a great day rushing yards-wise or anything like that. Doesn't stick out to you. I think he only averaged maybe one yard per carry. But the red zone is where he made his money. Two rushing touchdowns in the end zone against Cincinnati. And then look at SMU. The co-offensive rookie of the year last year in the American, and Ulysses Bentley the fourth, And Trey Siggers for SMU. Kind of an unknown commodity, a guy that's kind of coming up, back up for Ulysses Bentley right now. They combined had a 30, 130 rushing yards against Cincinnati. Allowed a touchdown, rushing-wise. Not a close ball game, but once again, that was another case where the only thing going for SMU was their run game. SMU lost that game 48-14. Then you look at Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris. I listed all those backs for you. Yeah, they show promise, but they're not bona fide great backs yet in college football. They're good in the American, but like I said, running backs in the American, not too great this year. Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris are easily top five backs in the American. Keaton, of course, easily the best back in the American. He leads the AAC in yards per carry. I think he leads the country in that too. Leads the league in rushing yards. And, of course, when you go back to the red zone in that game against Navy, where they were really tearing them up in the rushing game, Rajay could be a great red zone threat in this game. He's a great power back. You can liken him, to, you can liken him kind of to those Navy running backs. He could be a nice co- compliment to Keaton Mitchell. We all know that. And, like I said, he can give him fits in the red zone. I think that is – That third and final one, predicate the offense on the run game, Donnie K, is going to be the big one for winning getting an upset against the Cincinnati team who is ranked fourth in the college football playoff rankings. Now, it's not ideal if you're the American, you don't want an upset. Let's go ahead and let's not complain about the play calling because let's face it. It's American Conference refs. It's going to be in Cincinnati's favor. They want that big paycheck. They want millions of dollars going into that conference. They want Cincinnati in the college football playoffs. In a way, we do too. But it would be nice to kind of ruin it for them. Yes, it's great financially for the American. It is good financially for us. But in the long term, short term, it's good financially. Long term, the Pirates have winning football consistently and they get a big win against Cincinnati, it gets people in Greenville to believe in this team again. And we're starting to see it this year. People are believing in this team again. And I don't think it's any coincidence. Look at Greenville. Things are ramping up. People are excited. Parties going on downtown every night. A lot of that has to do with this football team. Let's face it. Greenville is a football town when it comes to ECU. When things are rolling, business is great. When things are not, it doesn't look too good. So those are my three keys to beating Cincinnati. And one final key, one honorable mention. Actually, this is kind of the most important one. Make sure you show up to that game. There's no excuse. Like I mentioned, four tickets for 60 bucks, and I believe that gets you to the lower bowl. And even if you're in a bond right now, I know COVID is still very much a thing. It's still lingering. People are getting laid off their jobs. It's a, it's a, it's a sad time we're living in right now. Go on Twitter. I can't tell you how many tweets I've seen today where people are willing to give away tickets just so people can be at that game and pack Dowdy Ficklin and make it rowdy. So you got to do your part to show up to that game and support the Pirates because this is a team that can do something special and make history. So I'm calling on you. The ball is in your court. And while you're at it, once you get those four tickets for 60 bucks. You can go see that basketball team, who also think has 
potential to do something special this year. All right. When we come back, quick pirate report. What did Donnie K have to say? What did Blake Harrell have to say? The coordinators in today's pirate report is the focal point. All that and much more. A little ECU basketball talk later on. Hall of Fame semifinalists were announced earlier today. A couple Panthers semifinalists. Steve Smith, Sam Mills, and Jared Allen. Later on, we'll talk who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame this year among the finalists and who doesn't. A little game I like to play called Gold Jacket or No Jacket. All that and much more here on the Patrick Johnson Show here on the other side of this quick timeout. Johnson Show. The drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Some strangers to you and me. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man as the P-Man is away getting ready for Thanksgiving break, making his Thanksgiving plans. Earlier in the week, we spoke to the coordinators in the latest Pirate Football Media Press Conference. Here's what they had to say in today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Today's Pirate Report brought to you by Comfort Master and Comfort Air of Newburn. Call Comfort Master for your heating and air conditioner needs. Lewis Farley and Robin Bowen, two great pirates. I'm sure they'll be at the game. Also by Texas Roadhouse of Greenville, just named the number one Texas Roadhouse in the nation with legendary food and service. Kind of a unique comment to kick things off here. We spoke to offensive coordinator Donnie Kay. He talked about how the players were so excited for this game. They're not letting it get to their head in a bad way. The bright lights, prime time, against a top-level team in college football, no. They're spinning that into a positive energy. They're spinning that positively. They're not letting it get too caught up in their heads. They're watching film early. They're watching film before the coaches. Here was Donnie Kay before on that. Put some Cincinnati film on, and Holton, for example, knew more about uh, or about yeah about Cincinnati. He knew more about their players than I did. They've, they've had like four jersey changes, and I was still taking the scout report, looking like okay now number twelve who used to wear twelve. He's like he starts naming them. He's already looked at. It. So I kind of was impressed with that. So I thought, wow, I'm really proud of the quarterbacks. I get down for the team meeting. There's like four or five other coaches saying, you know, the kids have already been over here watching film for like an hour. And uh, so we're like, we may not have to worry about jacking them up. <laughs> now maybe they're going to be too jacked up. But uh, they are excited. That's encouraging to hear this Pirate team. When you look back to that Navy game, that Navy game we just, we just won to get us to seven wins. Kind of the thriller, thrilling 50-yard kick by Owen Daffer as time expired. Tough ball game. I came away watching that thinking I never want to play Navy again. Why couldn't Navy leave the conference? Just had you on the edge of your seat the whole ball game. But Mike Houston has been open all year about the fact how players were committed to beating that team. Because if you look at the all-time series, coming into that game, I believe there was eight matchups against Navy all-time against the Pirates. Pirates only won one game. That was back in 2011. I think it was Ruffin McNeil's second year as head coach. That was something they were preparing for since spring, since the offseason. Houston said they had a segment in practice dedicated to it every week. We need that kind of dedication when it comes to the Cincinnati team in order to beat the Cincinnati Bearcats team. A Cincinnati Bearcats team that kept it close with Navy. So that's definitely encouraging to hear. Definitely encouraging to hear that Holton's looking at film. He's looking at film early. That goes to show me that 
He's not going to take a lot of chances. He's going to make a lot of smart plays. That could be the difference in the ball game right there. Moving on, Donnie K talked about the Cincinnati corners. The big one, the guy that's kind of got draft potential or like high draft hopes, I could see him being a second rounder, maybe even a first rounder, is Kobe Bryant. You look at the stats when it comes to the highest graded corners in college football, Kobe Bryant is the third highest graded corner in college football. Can't be throwing the ball his way that much. If so, it better be a good one. Better be smart. There's only two corners graded above him in college football. It's Auburn's Roger McCreary. He's the best graded corner at 90.3. Any guesses who the second best is? It's a pirate. Might have a claim to best corner in the conference, Jaquan McMillan. Anyways, here was Donnie K talking about Kobe Bryant and those Cincinnati corners as a whole. Those kids. I, you know, I, I'll be nervous about it. And, you know, when we started watching them Sunday, you know, I wasn't too excited about it. But as the week builds as a competitor, you, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. We wouldn't do this if we didn't really enjoy the challenge. I know our players are fired up. You know, CJ had the huge night. Same guy. They'll get matched up a lot again. I'm sure they know each other well. You know what I'm saying? They got a few nicknames for each other. We'll have to calm CJ down because he will get emotional. He will get wired up a little bit like that too. And they are. Both corners are, are they're draft picks. You know what I'm saying? You know, we talk to pro scouts all the time to come in. We ask them about the other people we play, and I think they're both ranked in the top 20 as it takes, whatever. So that's pretty darn good. Donnie K further talked about the Cincinnati, the type of coverage Cincinnati runs. He says they a lot of run a lot of man coverage. He talks about how he plans to kind of combat that and counteract that. The thing that's tough about Cincinnati's man coverage is, again, they, they do so many different types of man coverage. It's man, it's man free, it's man free with a rat, which means there's a linebacker in there free. And then they also drop out other guys. So sometimes they're in man coverage, but they're only rushing three guys. Moving on to his offense specifically, specifically his quarterback, who is the reigning AAC Player of the Week, I believe. No, he's the—he's an honorable mention. Excuse me. Owen Daffer has claimed the fame when it comes to specialists. I, I think Holden might be offensive. I can't remember. Either way, he got some kind of honor for the American Conference. I know for a fact, just random thing I saw on Twitter today, the Capital One Orange Bowl named him their Player of the Week in all of college football. That's interesting. I'm excited about this Pirate team. I think the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. But I don't see him playing in the Orange Bowl, so that was a little strange to see. But nonetheless, congratulations to Holton. Here was Donnie K talking about Holton Aylers. And uh, he's starting to get the honors. He's starting to get the accolades. Donnie K believes that Holton Aylers, there's nobody playing better in the conference than the hometown hero. He, right now, he's playing the best of anybody in the league. You know, I, I would have said with the guy at SMU, but now he's playing better than the guy at SMU right now. I was talking to Garrett this morning, you know, and he said, hey, you got Holton playing better than that. And I said, well, I don't have him playing better than that. You know, but he's playing better than that. Uh, I don't know. You know, coming out of the open date, we were both a little depressed, I think, a little bit. I decided, I told him, I said, I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to back up a little bit, you know. And I think he just said, I'm tired of worrying about it. I think he just freed his mind a little bit. I really think that's some of it. I think a big part of it is our kids are playing better around him. I've always said that a little bit. We haven't maybe helped him enough. Audie is making him look a lot better than he did early. Audie's making some plays. Audie's getting open. It's easier to throw to guys that are open. Good point about Audio Matosha there at the end. Who would have thought coming into this season that Audie would have been Easily maybe our best receiver in terms of wideouts on the team. My favorite thing about Audie is the fact that he can adjust midair to the ball. He plays off the ball. If a route, if he, if when he starts, he had a hard time at the beginning of the season kind of breaking off his routes and making adjustments, stemming off his routes. Well, he's doing really great at that in these last couple of ball games, and it shows. Shout out to Audio Matosho, playing great. And that's a good point. When you look at the earlier games in the season, 
maybe this is a whole issue, maybe this was a team issue, but guys around him, a lot of the playmakers weren't really getting involved in the offense. I think of guys like C.J. Johnson. I think of guys like maybe Ryan Jones or Shane Calhoun, who they were high on, the coaching staff was high on coming into the season. Tyler Sneed would have a really great game, and then you would have a very pedestrian game following it up. That could be a Holton deal. That could be a team issue. But there's no doubt about it. Holton's playing better. And like Donnie K said, the team is playing better around him. Now, everybody's still high on that Navy game and the spectacular finish to that Navy game. Donnie K talked about the final drives in that Navy game and what was kind of going through his head and what was the game plan. You know, the only thing was we almost kind of kind of a little, a little clock management there on the one play. We, we had a little bit of uh, miscommunication there. And that's the one bad thing about being in the box is you're not there. You've got to talk through someone else to get your message and all. But uh, in the end, Coach had, had control of it and got it taken care of. But, uh, you know, the, the throw to Sneed was, was huge. And uh, the catch was unbelievable to that. We had, I know Coach made a comment about it. We'd gotten the ball back, but we were kind of backed up. And I said, well, how aggressive do you want me to be at this point? You know, because you don't want to turn it over and lose the game. And, you know, so we kind of laughed about what he said. I won't say what he said. And then we kind of worked it out. And, you know, we ran play or whatever, swung the ball out wide, I think. And then right when he, he said, now he's going to be smart right here, aren't And you know, I said, well, there's no guarantee what he's getting ready to do right here. You know, because we had a play called for Sneed. In fact, the play was named Sneed. Yeah, so I knew he was throwing it to Snead, you know what I'm saying? And uh, then I thought, God, I hope that safety doesn't back up. And he kind of bid on the play like we were hoped he would. So great throw, great catch. But uh. No doubt about it. I mean, that Tyler Snead catch was clutch. I think it was even more clutcher than the throw. But the throw was also on the money, on the dime. And that goes back to what I said earlier in the keys of the game or keys to victory. Set up the big plays. Set up big plays like that. Don't necessarily need to have them every drive. You look back to that Navy game, we're just matriculating down the field. We're making the smart football plays to set up those big plays. We want to see that against Cincinnati. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I think Blake Harrell, if there's a coordinator's kind of a coordinator of the year award in the American, he definitely deserves it. Really has gotten this pirate defense back on track when, let's face it, they've been downright atrocious these past few years. The big thing that has stood out to me in these past few years when it comes to pirate football, especially on defense, was missed tackles and a lack of aggressiveness to get after the ball. Well, Blake Harrell has flipped the script and has completely fixed those issues. There's no doubt about it. He talked about the second-half adjustments he made in that Navy game to secure the victory at a team with a team that the Pirates have notoriously and historically struggled against. Here was Blake Harrell on his second-half adjustments against Navy. You know, a lot of it just has to do with catching up the speed of the game. Um, and that's a tough, tough offense to simulate and just how fast, you know, those old linemen come off and how, how fast everything can be. Um, and you try to simulate that the best you can as multiple different ways as you can. And it takes a few few uh, series to get used to that. And once you do, you settle back in. And the second half, come out and, and uh, get a stop. And get the ball back to their offense, and then get them pinned down there and go three and out, and then you get the one play, uh, one play drive there that you love to have back, and uh, do that differently, and then uh, the last series obviously get off the field and find a way. So, Blake Harrell talked about the lessons they learned from that Navy game in that hard-fought battle against the midshipmen. Here's the things that a triple option offense teaches you, and uh, being on this side of it, it teaches the same thing. You better get your eyes in the right place. You better take a good first step, and that's carryover for every week, even this week against Cincinnati. So we talked to our players uh, yesterday about that. Like, hey, you know, you can take those same fundamental lessons from Saturday and carry them this Friday against Cincinnati. And that's a big thing. Discipline was the key to that ball game. You know, I saw everybody on the forums and everything talking about where's the pirate defense today. You got to understand this pirate defense is predicated on getting after the ball. Like I said, a lot of blitz packages in that Blake Harrell defense, you can't play that way against Navy. Everybody has to do their job. Everybody has to be disciplined. Wait for the play to develop. And if you are going to break up the play in the backfield, you better hope you're going after the right person with the ball. You better hope 
that it counts. You better hope you're make you're making a smart and good football play. Because otherwise they're gonna burn you. And we saw that in that pirate football game. I'm gonna go in and say it, hats off to that defense. It was a style of defense that they had they had to play that they necessarily weren't accustomed to and used to. But they understood the assignment, they got the job done, and they played disciplined assignment football. Hats off to Coach Harrell, hats off to that defense. He got a little bit in into the Cincinnati this weekend. We moved on from Navy. Navy's over. That's long gone. We got our seventh win. They're near bottom of the conference. They don't matter anymore. We got revenge. We got retribution from last year. He talked about scouting Cincinnati. What stands out on that offense? A lot of playmakers. I think of Jerome Ford. He's probably the second best back in the American. Stats say so at the very least. Desmond Ritter, a guy who may not be first round in the NFL draft, but I could see him going somewhere, anywhere between second round to fourth round, somewhere around there. There's some guys in this offense. Blake Harrell talks about it. Here's the things that you don't look at their offense and see a weakness. I mean, you're talking about a football team that uh, about beat Georgia uh, in, in the bowl game last year. A quarterback who very well could be, you know, a high round draft pick, a Heisman in the Heisman talk, a tailback who started it at uh, Alabama, you know, second or third in the conference in rushing. Uh, two tight ends that look like NFL type guys and can run down the field and long and I think they're third and fourth on the team in pass receptions. You know, uh, number 12 out wide is just he, he wasn't healthy a year ago, so you didn't really see a, a lot about him. But at least the teams in receptions and and uh, can get down the field and, and take the top off of it. Seven and eight can do the same thing from the slot to the field. And then the old line it is a you know they look like a power five football team, long, athletic. I'll go back to the pirate defense here in a little bit, but he brought up a good point there. Sandwich in between all the garble and everything. The fact that Cincinnati played Georgia last year and almost beat them. This is a Georgia team that has a lot of returning starters, and so does Cincinnati. For the people that are saying, well, they're going to go in the college football playoffs and they're going to get beat. They're going to get beat by a team like Georgia. Well, they played them last year and almost beat them with the same players. You could say different Georgia team. Well, this is a different Cincinnati team, of course. This is an undefeated Cincinnati team. This is a team that's faced adversity this year. I don't think you've seen a lot of that with Georgia this year. I think he brought up a good point of why Cincinnati belongs in the college football playoffs. And while they may have a chance to make a run in it, and maybe get a natty. It may seem a little bit of a long shot, but there's some consistency, consistency there. There's some familiarity there. They've played the top-level teams before. They know what it takes. Had a chance to beat Georgia last year. That was a good point by Blake Harrell. Moving on. The final cut here from Blake Harrell. Final comment. He talked about how they need to make big plays late or how they've been making big plays late in these ball games this year that got them to these seven wins, particularly on the defense. The big defensive plays that came late that really sealed the deal and got them these wins. You know, a lot was made early in the season. This Pirate team needs to find a way to win. And when you think about that, you think offense. Maybe the offense needs to find a way to win. That's not always the case. When you look at our wins this year, it's been a lot of the Pirate defense sealing the deal. Pirate defense making a big play late or making a big play on the final play of the game like we saw in that Memphis game to seal the deal for us to go a ball game. Blake Harrell, more on that. This defense making late, making big late plays late in ball games to seal the deal and win games for the Pirates. You don't look at their... You know, those kids have a lot of confidence and, and they're, they're a good football team and good football players and they've made plays when it counts. I mean... Marshall, you know, so on and so forth. It's, it's always somebody different, too. You know, Tegan Wilt, Jeremy Lewis, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, a guy that played great the other night was Elijah Morris up front. And, you know, made play after play after play. And then Jaquan McMillan makes the final play. I, you know, I'm not sure it was a completed pass, but at the end of the day, it got us off the field and, and got the fourth downs was important. All right. All great things by the coordinators there. I think they're pumped up and ready to go. Players are pumped up and ready to go. Who knows? Maybe an upset is brewing. 
might be the biggest upset in part history. Actually, it easily be the biggest upset in part history. Might not necessarily be the biggest win. But when you're talking about what's in store for the future for the Pirates, if they win that game, I think it's a sign for good things to come. And you could potentially see this part team maybe one day get on the level of a Cincinnati. It would help if you get there and you're there. So like I've said time and time again, go to that game. You can get tickets for free, I swear. Look on Twitter. Look it up. Go on the search board. Free free tickets for ECU on Twitter. You'll find 20-something posts where people are willing to give away tickets. That's going to do it for today's Pirate Report, brought to you by Comfort Master and Comfort Air of New Bern. Call Comfort Master. For your heating and AC needs, Lewis Farley and Robin Bowen, two great pirates. Also by Texas Roadhouse of Greenville. Not sounding too bad right now. Might make my way there after the show. They were just named the number one Texas Roadhouse in the nation. And it shows, folks, the beef tips, my personal favorite there. You can never go wrong for steak, of course, but hey. You feeling like eating a little bit lighter than a steak? A little less money? Get the beef tips. That's my go-to. Just named the number one Texas Roadhouse in the nation with legendary food and service. When we come back, semifinalists announced for the Hall of Fame. Who's in? Who's out? We're going to play a game called Go Jacket. Gold Jacket or No Jacket. But first, during the break, I'm sitting here with my in my hand. Four tickets for the ECU men's basketball game versus Coppin State. That comes your way Saturday, November 27th at 4 p.m. in Williams Arena Arena at Minji's Coliseum. Four tickets here. All you have to do is be caller number seven. Call in to 252-561-4263. That's 252-561-GAME. You don't have to come on air. You don't have to do anything special. Just call in. If you're calling number seven, you happen to be lucky, four tickets. That's it. Granted your way. These are good tickets, too. Almost like broadcast view. Perfect. More to come here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byron filling in for the P-Man. Gold jacket or no jacket? On the other side of this quick timeout. Facebook updates for like and comment on 94.3 the game's Facebook page right now more of the Patrick Johnson show is coming up on 94.3 the game and 94.3 the game.com what's happening Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 943 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Parham filling in for the P-Man while he's away on Thanksgiving break. Little vacay. Spend time with the family. Getting that turkey ready. The class of 2021 for the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame was announced. A couple of first-year candidates ended up being semifinalists including DeMarcus Ware, Andre Johnson, Devin Hester, Robert Mathis, and Panthers legend, I would say Panthers goat, in my opinion, Steve Smith. There was nine finalists who were semifinalists from the class of 2021. That includes Richard Seymour, Leroy Butler, Tony Bozzelli, Zach Thomas, Sam Mills, Torrey Holt, Greensboro's Torrey Holt, NC State alum. Reggie Wayne, Rondé Barber, and Jared Allen. I picked out a few names. And we're going to play a game called Go Jacket or No Jacket. Basically how it works. If I feel like they're in the Hall of Fame, I'll state my case. Give them a gold jacket. If I feel like they don't belong in the Hall of Fame, they get no jacket. Simply put, and I'll state my case. 
Now, personally, my criteria for the Hall of Fame, did you revolutionize the game? That's one. You know, people talk about Joe Namath. Maybe numbers-wise, he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but that guarantee and that Super Bowl three win was huge for the NFL. It catapulted the NFL to a new level of fame. It just it, it ushered in a new era of the NFL. I'm thinking of stuff like that when I talk about revolutionize the game. Number two, were you considered or arguably considered one of the best at your position, the very best, over at least a five-year period? And number three, was your career fairly consistent? Were you consistently great throughout your career? So let's start with this first name, DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware, nine-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. You look at it, he had a eight-year stretch where he had over 11 sacks. He had a year where he had 20, another year where he had 15 and a half, another where he had 19 and a half. Key part of why Denver won that Super Bowl. Yes, I say gold jacket for him for sure. And I would say even first ballot. Why not? Absolutely. One of the premier edge rushers in that game during his time. I think you can consider him or say that he was considered one of the best at his position over a long period of time. Gold jacket for sure for DeMarcus Ware. First time or first year of eligibility. Andre Johnson. Ugh. I. This one was tough. I'm going to say gold jacket, but not this year. Andre Johnson at times was considered the best at his position, at the wide receiver position. Um, doesn't necessarily have the accolades or the success, but he had seven years, eight years of over 1,000 receiving yards. And it's all kind of spread out throughout his career. He had years where he kind of had down years, kind of disappointed, was kind of inconsistent in his career. He is top 10 in receiving yards all time. I do believe he deserves a nod, but maybe not this year. Another one, Devin Hester. This should not be a debate. Yes, gold jacket. Hands down. It goes back to what I said, where you consider the best at your position over a particular time. I think he's considered the GOAT when it comes to punt and kick returners. That's a no-brainer right there. Absolutely. First year of eligibility, deserves to get in. Now this one's going to hurt me. I might catch a little slack for this. Sam Mills. I think, once again, no jacket for my man Sam Mills. Yes, he was great for the Panthers organization. RIP. I'm not going to speak ill towards him or anything. He was a model character. If there was a Hall of Fame for good people, or if there's a Walter Payton Man of the Year kind of wing for the Hall of Fame, deserves to get in. He's a go to that. But playing-wise, uh, not necessarily. Only three pro, pro Bowls, only one year when he was an All-Pro. Now That was his second to last year when he was with Carolina. He did revolutionize the game in terms of Carolina. He really spearheaded that franchise. Very important for that franchise. But in the grand scheme of things in the NFL, numbers-wise, just doesn't add up. Doesn't belong just in term numbers-wise in terms of his playing career. I hate to say it, but no jacket for Sam Mills. And then we're going to wrap it up here with Steve Smith, the big one. Steve Smith, I would say absolutely. When you look at the years where Steve Smith numbers don't quite add up, he got hurt. There's a five-year stretch where he was considered one of the best wide receivers in the game. A triple crown winner at that position in 2005. The sole reason why they got in the playoffs, folks. There were some dogs on that defense, but offensively, Steve Smith was the biggest part of why they made the playoffs the Panthers did in 2005. Single-handedly got them a playoff win against the Bears in 2005. Triple crown winner led in catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns in a particular year that is unheard of. And you look at the quarterbacks he had during that period, Rodney Pete, Jake DeLome. I love Jake DeLome, but he's not considered an elite quarterback. Early Cam Newton, other guys thrown in between, like a Vinny Testaverde, Brian St. Pierre, a Matt Moore, David Carr. 
didn't have great quarterbacks and still produced at a high level. He's top 10 in receiving yards. Um, and, you know, people are not factoring this in, but I do believe this is a factor, believe it or not. I can't explain it. But I think the fact that the stuff he's doing with the NFL Network and now that he's a big personality, they seem to like him over there. Chances are if you're watching Thursday Night Football, he's on the broadcast or on the analyst team. And I think he's one of the better on the analyst team. I think he is going to get the nod by certain voters just because of his work there. And I know what you're saying. That doesn't have anything to do with his playing career. But I just think, you know, he's buddy-buddy with those guys. Why not? I think he definitely gets year, gets in this year, first year. If not, it's not a big deal. Gold jacket for him. But if there's any year for Steve Smith to get in, this would be the year. It's not a strong class. I think this is his chance to get in. That's going to do it for Gold Jacket or No Jacket. Gold Jacket for DeMarcus Ware. Gold Jacket for Steve Smith. No Jacket for Sam Mills. Gold Jacket for Andre Johnson. And Gold Jacket for Devin Hester. Congratulations to the Hall of Fame class. Let's wrap it up here. Plenty to do this weekend or for your, throughout the week. Of course, we got that big ball game Friday night when Cincinnati comes to town. Also, we got J.H. Rose. That's coming your way Friday. We will not have the football broadcast for ECU. You can hear that on 107.9 Friday night. Instead, we will have J.H. Rose in their fourth-round playoff game against Scotland. That game comes your way at 7.20 with Croft, not Crotch, Coach, RV, and Croft Massey. And Friday, we'll have pregame coverage leading in to that big part football game. For our Pirate Game Day countdown, the P-Man will be back alongside ECU legend Terrence Copper. That's going to do it here for the Patrick Johnson Show. I was your host, Ben B. Baby Byron, reminding you to have a safe holiday, have a great Thanksgiving, and support your parts. Go parts! <laughs>